We are talking about a treasure hunt, and we are going to use, I mean, have you seen, let's go back a little ways, let's go back a little ways to uh, Indiana Jones, three Indiana Jones movies, am I right? Or did they make a fourth that everyone has forgot about? <laughs> so we've got, what's the first one? Raiders of the Lost Ark. What's the second one? Temple of Doom. The third is The Last Crusade. What's your favorite? Last Crusade because of Sean Connery or the original just because it's the, it's the first and it's exciting and cool things happen. Temple of Doom is kind of the weird one. The, the beating heart thing is the only memorable part of that movie. But that trilogy was a special trilogy. That trilogy teaches, it, 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 it exposes this thing that we have inside of us and, and in our culture, this interest in pursuing treasure, right? And we've, we've had other things. We've got Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, and other stuff. But nothing compares to the Indiana Jones trilogy that captures that pursuit, that adventure, that desire. And you have that in you. You have that thing in you that is looking for something, that is looking for that hopeful treasure thing. There are actually still people right now that live and breathe and who make it their career, their their. It's their whole goal to still find treasures. There's still people hunting down treasures, whether under the sea and in ruins of ships or whether in mountains and caves and deserts. There's still treasure seekers now. And I would submit to you that all of us in some way or another are and have been and will be treasure seekers. We are looking for something that will add value, something that will be uncovered, something that we think, man, am I, am I missing something? Am I missing out on something? There must be more. And we are looking for that treasure. There is mystery out there that fascinates us, and we want to know what it is. We're, we're in this pursuit, and we, and we think, okay, God, there, maybe there must be more. And we're going to start at the end and then work our way back to the from the beginning here. And we're going to start in, this is the letter that Paul wrote to the people of Colossae. We started there last week. If you weren't here, that's okay. You can catch up right now. Paul wrote this letter to the people of Colossae. It's like a house church of 40 or 50 people. He's in prison and he's writing to them, okay? And he says, we're going to skip to verse, or to chapter 2 and look at 6 and 7, and we're going to get an idea of what his hope is for these people. Chapter 2, verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. We'll stop there for now. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Now, some of you are here and you're saying, okay, I'm not even sure I've received him myself yet. I'm still investigating. I'm still checking this out. And that's okay. You're in the right place. Hopefully, you will have what you need to make a decision today even. And for others of us who have been on this journey with Jesus, we've, you've had some kind of experience with God before, some time that it made sense, some connection that you felt, some, some way that you encountered God, but perhaps over the years or over the months, that spark, that fire, that passion has died down in some way. Maybe, maybe you had that mountaintop experience like high school kids at camp right? And then later you think, well, but, but now, what, what, is it, what does it mean to continue? As Paul says, as you, what's this continuing life? What is this life in the everyday, not at the mountaintop, not when everything's going well? What does it look like when things are hard, when finances are tough, 
when people die or leave us? What, what, what is it like when I go to work and I'm not fulfilled? What is it like when I feel like I open my Bible and I don't hear from God in weeks? How do I live this continuing life? And what we're going to talk about today is the secret that makes that real, that makes that possible, that, that re, can re-inspire you today if you've been feeling dry, that can give you hope if you, if you feel like you're a little bit lost and wandering. If, or maybe you're like me and you, at, at times you came to know Jesus and you realized as passionate as you were, as excited as you were, and you wanted to live this different life, you realized he didn't fix you totally. <laughs> you still have some issues. There's still a tendency toward addiction. There's still broken relationships. You still kind of trample on people at work and don't care about how they feel. You have these tendencies, and they might be destructive. They might be unhealthy, and, and they're still a part of you. You're not fixed. It's not over yet. What is this continuing life, and how do we do it? How do we do it well? And Paul wants to communicate that to us in this letter to Colossae. He is going to give us this secret of the universe, this, this, this thing that makes it possible. Okay, so let's talk about Paul just briefly. Paul, let's, he, he tells us who he is here in Colossians 1, 24 and 25. He sets it up and he says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant, I've become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul, anytime you have a good treasure hunt, you need a guide, right? You need a guide and a map and a treasure. And so Paul is saying, let me be your guide. I am your guide. I am a slave. I am a servant of this gospel. I am committed only to one thing, and that's to communicating it to you, to, to revealing it to you, to, to, to pulling the curtain, the veil back so that you can see this secret, this secret of the universe, this mystery, this treasure that maybe you've been missing out on. Paul's saying, I'm dedicating my whole life to that. In fact, I'm writing you this letter from jail. I don't know if I'm going to survive this little stint in prison. I'm that committed to your well-being. So Paul is just kind of laying that foundation. He's saying, I'm a trustworthy guide. Let me point you in this direction. He's saying, you know, he's saying that he has that mission. It's his mission to help serve the church and to offer us hope on this treasure search. So then he starts pointing to this Jesus guy, right? And we, we, we kind of recap of last week, we came to the conclusion that in Colossians chapter one that, God, that Christ is supreme. That's what we said, that he is supreme over everything, that he is the creator, that he is the sustainer of life. He was there in the beginning. He died. He rose from the dead. He overcame death and everything, and he is the ultimate thing. That, that is where we're starting, and so then, we're just going to jump into it. So if he goes from this argument about how Christ is supreme and over everything, and then he goes right here at the end of chapter 21 and gives us the secret of the universe, gives us this mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations. And it's in verse 26. It literally says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the, to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish, everybody else, the, the, the rest of humanity who wasn't Jewish, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, up until that point, up until Jesus came and died and did what he did, throughout all of human history prior to that, there was a common theme. God created, he created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. And then the Bible teaches that he brought himself, his presence, and he walked with them in the, in the garden. It says in the cool of the day, God would walk with them and, they, and he could talk with them. So God was with his original creation. Then you move forward a little bit and you have Abraham, Father Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. You have these heroes, these famous people from, from you know, thousands of years ago from the Old Testament that, that stories about these guys have been passed down for, forever. And what they say continually was when they were in favor, when they were, when they were in alignment with what they should be doing, that God was with them. That he was with them, he blessed them, he kept them, he protected them. Joseph, even when he was thrown in a pit, even when he was sold into slavery, even when he was falsely accused of, you know, making, going after the, the, the leader of the house, his wife, he was thrown in prison and it says God was still with him there. So you look at all these stories throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, and you see that God was with his people. When he led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and they were in the desert, he put what in front of them to guide them? A, a fire, a pillar of fire, and a cloud. And it says that in that, you will know that I am with you. I am with you. I am leading you. And then he gave him instructions on how to build this temple. And he said, now we're going to settle here for a while, and I'm going ha- to have you build this temple place. And when the cloud comes down on this temple and this tabernacle and this different ways, you will know that my presence is there. And all of you can't go in. Only certain people can go in. You have to do this you know, special thing, the cleansing thing, because my presence is special. And, and you will see that that's where, that's where I am. I am with my, my people. And then you move forward and you, sh- you have Jesus comes. Literally, God, this mysterious God, comes and he puts skin on so that we can relate to him. He walks on this earth and they give him the name Emmanuel, which means... God with us. That's what the word means. Emmanuel. You'll sing it in a month at Christmas. Maybe earlier if you're like my wife, you'll start singing it this week as the music starts to play. Emmanuel means God with us. That's the story. That's the, that's the place that we live. That, that's, that's, what was, that's what was building. That's the human history that God would create, but he would also dwell with. And then... Jesus comes, he dies, he was resurrected, he floats, he literally like floats up to heaven in front of his disciples, and can you imagine what they're thinking? They know all of human history, they know the old story of the Old Testament, they know all the stories, and, they, and they've been commissioned by Jesus to go and change this world, and then they watch him float up into space, and they're thinking, okay, now what, right? How do we live now? How do we do this now? He's just given us this undoable commission to go everywhere and make disciples and and point people toward him and give people hope, right? He's just given this impossible mission to us, and then he disappears. He is no longer with us. 
But the story goes that the disciples went and they were hanging out in this thing called the upper room and Jesus sent his spirit. It came into this room, it filled them, it shook like a crazy wind. It, it, it filled the place up. They could see little fires, little tongues of fire, it says, on their heads. And the spirit did what? It went in them. The spirit of God himself. So Paul is saying that here is the story of human history. Here is the story that we were just living in when Christ was here, Emmanuel, God with us. And now get this. Everything changed, he says. The mystery that had been kept hidden, how God would work out this life, how he would give us hope to live this life, how he would make us acceptable in his sight, how he would, how he would bring all this to a close, he did this. The mystery that has been kept hidden is now disclosed to his people. God has chosen to make known among them this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, we search for treasures far and wide. We, we search for things that will be shiny and nice and valuable and fulfill us. And we look everywhere and we try to get them in different places. And we're trying to climb ladders and we're trying to do other things. And we're trying to build and we're trying to discover and we're trying to solve and figure things out. And he is saying, this guide is saying that Jesus put the power of the universe, the secret of the universe in you. That it's not what's out there that is going to fix you. That's not what's out there that is going to make things make sense. It's what's in you and in me. That is the part of the story that we live in. That's the crazy, scandalous mystery of our current humanity that God would not only create and save and redeem, but now he gives you his spirit to make you live, to show you how to live this life, to give you hope, even though we are in hard times, even though we are still prone in these different ways. These other things will not satisfy. It's what's in you that is your hope. It's what's in you. All the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, lives in you. Now, Paul goes on. This, this letter to the, to the Colossians is an incredible letter. And in this little piece of it that we're reading, he has this kind of rhythmic, cool, poetic way about it. And I'm going to try to help capture it for you. He, he's driving this point home so that hopefully we get it. He says in verse 28, he says, he is the one, this Jesus, he is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Right? He's saying, I am embodying this message. You want to know a practically kind of a little bit what this looks like? When he put his spirit in me, it gives me energy, he says. He is, he is working this out powerfully with his energy. He is enabling me to go and do what I'm doing. He is enabling me, Paul says, to write you this despite the fact that I'm chained up in prison. It's his energy that's at work within me. So in me is Christ's strength. In me is Christ's strength and energy. That's a part of this deal. It literally plays itself out through him giving me strength. Do you know what it feels like to be repeatedly tired, to be exhausted for a season, to feel like you just can't catch up? There's just too much, and, and you're, you're, just, you're on the verge of burnout or breakdown or something like that. You might want to look at 
Is it possible that I'm operating in my own strength in this? Is it possible that I'm not relying on this energy that God has put in me, this strength that he put in me that he is desiring to live out through me? Am I working on my own? If I'm continually exhausted, am I doing the right things? Because he promises to give me his strength, his energy, his passion for this life. Christ is in you. And so that's what Paul does, right? He's going to play off this whole in idea. He's going to continue to do it. And I, I, want us to, I want us to grab it because there is something powerful about being in, right? You are in the right club. I had a members-only jacket a long time ago, and I didn't even go to meetings, you know? It was like, you, no members-only jacket. <laughs> that is not a good joke. <laughs> I wasn't sure how that would play. It didn't. So we... But it's powerful. When you are in something, you, you are a part. You are connected. You are, you, are, you are engaged. You are part of the family. You are, you, you, what are the things you're in? You're in time. You're in luck. To be in is good, right? To be out is bad. You know what it's like to be picked last in something? You know what it's like to be the one excluded? You know what it's like to be the last one on the playground that no one wants to play with? It doesn't feel good to be out, and what Paul keeps driving at here is that you are in, that, you, that we live this continuing life in Christ, and the way we do it is because he is in you. All access to God and all of the, his universe, his power, his strength is in you, and you are in him. And he goes further still. Look at 2, verse 1. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, and for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ now are all the treasures. In Christ are all the treasures. He is in you, and in him are all treasures. It, so the things that we search for, the, the other things that we look to, the other things that we hope will be valuable enough for us, you won't find them outside of him. So they're, they're not necessarily bad things, but you must know that they are in him. That apart from him, they cannot satisfy you. I have an Uncle Joe. Does everyone have an Uncle Joe? Because I, I have an Uncle Joe, and it seems common. Uh, uncle Joe was like the cool, he was the cool uncle, and we would go and we would do Easter at his house when we were growing up. So Scottsdale, Arizona, little kids, we would go and we would do Easter and we would look forward to it. I mean, we might do some little Easter egg hunt at church or in the backyard with my mom, but it was Uncle Joe's Easter egg hunt that was the coolest, okay? So we would show up, and what made Uncle Joe's Easter egg hunt so special was that he would have those plastic eggs, but you would open them up and it wouldn't be candy, right? Because when you're a kid, you're like, I like candy, but I can pretty much get, you know, candy is not as big of a deal. I was, you know, maybe nine or 10 or things like that. But what's in these eggs is a little piece of paper. And on this piece of paper is a clue. And this clue will tell me where to go to get my next egg. And so Uncle Joe would give me and my two younger brothers each our first egg, and we would open it up. And it would say something like, you know, go to the place where I pulled out your last tooth, you know, last month, which, by the way, was his workbench because he used needle-nose pliers 
I don't know why my parents allowed such a thing, but so I go to his workbench and I would open up the next egg and there would be a new note and there would be a clue and he would say, go, you know, over here and I would go over there and I'd open this one up and I'd be like, oh, okay, now I go and you have to do like a little bit of thinking and okay, so where does this thing happen? And so I would go over there and I would open up this one and it would take me to the next place. And after about five or six, I would finally get to the prize. I would finally get to the treasure. And it was always something cool. It never disappointed. It was always like the newest G.I. Joe or like a remote control car or something awesome that my parents wouldn't give me for Easter. And so we loved Uncle Joe's Easter egg hunts. But have you been on a hunt like that where you're kind of going from place to place, you're searching from thing to thing, and you're continually disappointed? I mean, what if I kept opening these eggs and it never got me to any kind of a treasure? Have you been there? Have you you've felt like you're on this wild goose chase in life and you keep, you know, whoever wrote the book about who moved my cheese? There's just this thing we all wrestle with in this world. We chase these things, these treasures, and they don't satisfy They don't deliver on what they promise because we have them confused. We have them in the wrong place, often in the wrong priority. So let's look at this next one. It says, I tell you that no one may deceive you by fine, so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is. Your faith is in Christ. There he says it again. Your faith is in Christ. Now, maybe so for many of you here, maybe you have been chasing these other things. Or maybe you kind of just continually get seduced by one or two of them on a regular basis. Will you, will you believe today? Will you trust him that maybe that he is the ultimate thing? Will you trust that all treasure is in him? Will you put your faith in that? Will you put your faith in the fact that these things won't satisfy? All treasure is in him and this is the way that things can make sense. Now, now, some of you would be maybe understandably kind of skeptical saying, okay, well, this, this is it. Like this, this is like a typical, like, you know, churchy answer where it's just like, Jesus is the answer for the thing and everything else. Are you saying that everything else doesn't matter? No, I mean, things like, what, what are the other things that are valuable that we chase after? I mean, working hard or discipline or things like that that get us there, nutrition, things that matter. All truth, listen, all truth is God's truth. All truth is his. Where we get messed up is when we screw up the priority, when we don't realize that he is the ultimate source, that he is the designer of this life and your existence. And we chase these things instead of him, trusting that it's in him, these things come along anyway, that he energizes the pursuit of these other healthy things that make sense for your and my life. Look at what... uh, First Corinthians says, it says, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you are wise by the standard of this age, you should become fools so that you may become truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolish in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. If you have a pen, underline that. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, those are all leaders of the early church, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. 
and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. All those things are yours. He is the creator of them. He is the source. As you pursue him, everything else is okay too. Personal disciplines and development and pursuits and growth and progress, it's all good. All things can be yours. You can have access to every good thing. But just don't get mixed up into thinking that those are the treasures. He is the treasure. All treasure is in him. And so now we come to the end where we started. It says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the seemingly impossible idea that we start with, how do we do this life? How do we, how do we please God even though we're broken people? How do we have the energy and the passion to keep on keeping on day after day, even sometimes when I don't feel it? And the answer is this secret. It's this mystery that it's Christ in you. That is the hope of glory. That it's not things out there. It's not things elsewhere. It's not what's, what's here and there and there that you might be able to obtain. It's already yours. You just need to trust him. And he puts his own spirit, his own power in you. And then he will inspire you to find the other disciplines that matter, right? Because we're still broken. We still need group, accountability, growth, progress, health. All these things are good. And all these things are yours. But it's starts with him as the power source, him, him in you. That is our only hope. That is the ultimate hope. That is the hope of glory. Your continuing life in him. I have one more verse there for you. And it is John 5 or 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you might not be into botany, <laughs> but uh, this is a branch. And um, I pulled it off a tree from out there. And don't tell the library. I don't think that they would care. But see, the thing about a tree and a branch is that it's, it's alive and it's healthy when it's what? Attached to the tree. Now this thing is dead. This is good uh, for not much um, and it will start to wither and die very soon because its life source has been detached from it. And it says that you are, he is the vine, and we are the branch. That it's only in him, it's only connected to the life source that we bear fruit, that we have our life, that life flows to, through, and back into our life source, that we have a role to play, that we are a part of the bigger story. Our only job then is to stay connected. It, our only job then is to remain in him because he is in us. Ours is the staying role. His is the sustaining role. He is the life source. His life is just expressed through us. We get to be the fruit bearers. We get to look good and have leaves and be green and give shade. He uses us. He works through us. He lets us be a blessing to other people, but it's only to the extent that we stay connected. That is our focus. That is our aim. That's the secret of the universe, that he put his own spirit in you so that you could stay connected to him at all times. Remain in me 
and I will remain in you. Nothing out there will satisfy. The treasures, they're all fine and good, but only to the degree that you keep first things first and stay connected to him. Then he will make sense of them. Then he will use them and leverage them appropriately in your life. Do you have the confidence today that nothing out there can come against you that is greater than what is inside you. There is nothing that can happen. There is, there is no attacks. There is no loss. There is no tragedy. There is no temptation. What's in you is stronger than all of it. What's in you will sustain you in this life. Now you have these little orange cards in your, in your bulletins again. I'd encourage you to get it out and just to write Christ in me. Those three words that changed everything is greater than whatever it is that you have a tendency to pursue, whatever it is that draws you back in, whatever it is that is that shiny allure. It's anything out there, right? Just make that declaration again as a reminder today. It's only in him that you will be satisfied. And he'll give you these other things too. The pursuits. He will energize the pursuits in your life that you need. He will energize those. He knows how you grow. He knows what you need to grow. All things are yours. But it starts with the one thing. The secret. The mystery. Christ in you. That is your hope. That is our hope. God, would you meet with us? Would you, would you speak to us? We teach and we sing and we do all of this just to honor you and just so that maybe in a, in a meaningful way you would speak, that you would show up, that you would move. We invite you to do that now. In Jesus' name.